I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it, midweek editions here at Hale Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. You can always find us on the stream, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel or Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Uh, give Elijah a follow at uh, Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal and me, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio. We have things to discuss as the final tune up for Nebraska on. Uh, Saturday against Louisiana Tech before it gets real with Michigan and beyond. We'll dive into it here in a little bit. Mike Babcock with us in 15 minutes. Uh, We'll check in with uh, Babbers, his thoughts on Nebraska as we uh, don't know that we'll hear tomorrow from Coach Rule where he's leaning quarterback-wise, but uh, at least they'll put to bed uh, most of the week of practice. I know Nebraska will go with more of a, uh, uh, you know, get them ready for Saturday-type practice, Friday versus the walkthrough Thursday. Evan Bland with us in Hour 2 from the Omaha World-Herald, and then we will dive into the Nick Chubb injury with Dr. Brandon Seifert with Nebraska Orthopedic, and uh, a jock doc is forthcoming. Numbers to get in, 489-1240, 489-1240, or 800 800- 825-5865. Email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. So, off-topic question, but it does relate to football. And there was an unfortunate incident with a Buffalo Bills fan uh, as this fan got tailgating uh, the, the wrong way. Uh, he got covered in some stuff that you don't want to get covered in and woke up and missed the game. I think I've got the gist of that story. Did you see or hear about this? No. Yeah. Well, oh, Bill's fan had um, too much to drink, uh, could not take care of his bodily functions, okay, and, right? And, and he woke up and the, the game was over. This, I think, goes back to week one. I just kind of scanned the story. Um, and you're getting your sea legs, and many of you are experts with tailgating. Don't forget, we're at the single barrel tomorrow, 4 to 6 in Lincoln. Come see us there. The Hurt Ant Sports Bar and Grill Friday, uh, back at the single barrel Saturday noon to 2, so just for your calendar. But my wife has suffered a tailgate injury. You're looking at me kind of like, where's he going with I'm this? I'm very curious as to where you're going. Oh, dude, this is brutal. So, long and short of it, Mama Bear, the bunny, uh, is her nickname. And her friend Dora and Boots, we're going to keep official names out of this. 
but they all went down and they tailgated. They popped in. They said what's up for the uh, the road show Saturday as we were at the single barrel. And then they went and tailgated. They went to a couple of different lots, hung out with some friends. And there is all sorts of just nasty bugs flying around. And those, those damn black little pirate bugs bit my wife. And it flew inside her shirt. <laughs> I can't make this up. It flew inside her shirt. It didn't bite her once or twice, but it got the trifecta in a region. And for the life of me, I still get evil looks. I'm asking if she's doing okay. <laughs> so are you doing okay, sweetie? So there's a, a tailgate injury in the Schmidt household. You, what, what, are those bites itchy? Like they are large. They look like an extra nipple. They are huge. Okay. But there's like three of them in a region. Mm -hmm. If I get two more graphic, I won't come back to work tomorrow because she will have buried me in the backyard. You didn't hit her with the with the honey. Let me let me rub some medication on there for you. (laughs) (laughs) You ask me to rub your back when you're sunburned, right? (laughs) So I I I did ask her today how she's doing and if she needs some help and and that the uh, I I cannot repeat what she said, but it was it was sweet in her own little tone. Mm. So there's a tailgate. You have buddies that are are I, getting I, into it. It was game one of the season last year. You're getting your tailgating sea legs. Maybe the grill's too hot. Maybe you forgot to use the oven mitt. Maybe there was too many things consumed and you tripped over a bumper. You, you got to get into mid-season form out of the gate. This was not her fault when it comes to said tailgate injury. She got she got bit right side, and the bug couldn't get free from her little Husker jersey, and I think it flew in through the armpit, and and then I think she smashed it, but it had bit three it inflicted times. Damage already, it, it, yeah. it, it inflicted damage. Yeah, I mean there needs to be some ointment on that, but yeah. She has not asked my help. She's a she's a medical professional, so she's telling the radio boy to stick with radio. Yeah. That reminds me of a friend of mine. I can't remember if I've told this story on the Babbers is just not. blinking at me, going, "Why would you talk about your wife that way, Schmidt?" Well, <laughs> I, I'm going to get into one. I know, I know this individual listens to this show, so mm-hmm. he's going to remain nameless. I don't want to embarrass him, but there was a a Husker Saturday where the game wrapped up. And we go out to uh, a friend's acreage. We go do some camping out there. And this just reminds me of the Buffalo Bills fan where we, we had a few. Tailgate injuries are a real thing. Yeah, and this was more of a camping injury, but it was on a Husker game day. So I'm going to roll with it. And it really reminds me of the Bills fan story because we had a few. And everyone retires off to bed. Um, this, this individual in the middle of the night had to go. They had, had, mm-hmm. to, had to urinate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they thought they had the tent flap open to oh, just no. go out the flap of the tent. That is an injury. <laughs> Especially if there's, you know, oh, no, a it, beating that follows with the rest of the tent mates. Yeah, no, this was not one person waking up to bodily fluids covering them following a night of drinking. This was an entire tent full of people waking oh, up to... Because somebody <laughs> just forgot to open the tent flat. Why don't you... Listen, if you're going to go camping, it's a rule. You, I don't care what the temperature is. You get outside and you go. You don't just 
mail it in <laughs> from your knees and 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 just open the flap well, even of after, the tent. Even after a, a night of fireball? No. <laughs> there are rules. We'll take some of your calls. Uh, tailgate injuries. You want to submit some on the stream. Uh, Brennan says, I've suffered a tailgate migraine. Um, yeah. And that can happen when you get 4,000 degrees and uh, it gets a little warm. I had college buddies that missed an entire half of the uh, Nebraska Southern Miss game in 99 because it was 1,000 degrees and they, they had the wrong type of... Uh, of, of fluids going. Uh, Brennan saying, yes, hangover. I, I, I absolutely get the migraine thing going. But we'll dive into some football. We do have a, a football topic we will get to, I promise. So ask your question and give me your answer with uh, Nebraska football. What is real right now about Nebraska football? What's a mirage? As you've seen this football team through three ball games. Who's on the line? We have Random Mike. Random Mike. Mike, thanks for calling. Go for it. Chris, I've been a fan for a long time now. Appreciate you. I'm told you sounded like this when you were like five years old. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I sound like my, bless his soul, I sound a lot like my dad did. So it's the perfect sports guy radio voice. That's right. There's no there's no lit cigarette. Uh, there's no oxygen tank. There's no whiskey bottle. It's just I, I, I'm lucky to sound this way. I'm thankful for it. Uh, I am. I'll tell you what I'm really excited about. And, you know, they say necess- necessity is the mother of invention. Mm-hmm. We are shorthanded with running backs. We're shorthanded with receivers. But we got two big, strong, fast guys that can run and throw. And, uh, and I'm hearing from people that know more about football that, that they're not averse to playing both quarterbacks and even at the same time. And I thought we should have done this when we had Crouch and Newcomb where you get them both kind of in the backfield and you got two guys there that can scramble and throw. And if you're a defense, that's hell to try to cover that. I, I don't disagree. Now, I think you'll side with me that Newcomb moving to wingback uh, while not used like he was his freshman year, was still, you know, a big shot guy where, where Crouch had hit him downfield. He kind of won the Colorado game for Nebraska in that two-minute drill, if you remember. And then yeah. nu- Newcomb also got Nebraska up off the mat with the, the game-winning punt return against Kansas in 99 after that hangover loss to Texas, okay? So Newcomb did a ton. And I think both of these guys can do things, and you've already seen Harburg do it right you've seen him play h-back catch the football I, I think you could absolutely do it i think harburg is maybe a little more sturdy for day-to-day plays and if you're going to ask one of the two to block right harburg's done that or shows the ability from a size-wise standpoint not that not that sims isn't a big dude or a tough dude but Harburg's played H-back briefly, right? So I think you could do that. I uh, I, th- I think there, everything's on the table right now if you're in Nebraska exactly. and, and you can't, exactly. and you can't it's limit gonna be, it. It's going to be fun to watch. I hope it's fun to watch. And what I mean by that is you just can't keep having turnovers. No. Whoever, whoever's yeah, the quarterback. Yeah. Whoever turns over is gone. I mean. Well, there's a little more, more uh, tape on – 
on Sims with the turnover issue and decision-making at quarterback. I think you'll see Sims. You need to see Harburg. You need to see them both. And you need to see them both on the field. If Sims is your guy, let Harburg be one of your options in that H-back, catching the football, running with the football, that slash roll. And if you can put a package together, if Harburg's quarterbacking and you think Sims has the ability to catch the football or stretch a field, Try it out. I mean, who knows what's going on in practice this well, week? Well, as of right now, your best deep threat's Tommy Hill. Could that be Jeff Sims? Uh, who knows? Mike, thanks for the phone call, bud. You got it. Appreciate you, man. Good to hear from him. And I like Mike uh, going, leading off, saying how great your voice is for Sports Talk Radio, because it is perfect. <laughs> and I was sitting here thinking, I'm like, man, how different would your career been if you would have been narrating audiobooks? Like, imagine... Fifty Shades of Grey narrated by Chris Schmidt. Man, that's 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 <laughs> intense right now. That that puts nobody in the mood, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, we're asking the question: What's real? What's a mirage? Uh, uh, Q McMoo is, I guess, how I'm going to say it. Chimes in. Defense is real. Um, that uh, gosh, I need glasses. Uh, that side of the ball doesn't seem to have a weakness, unfortunately. Play calling uh, on the offensive side is a mirage. Too much trying to be too clever without the pieces to make it work. You know, that was a criticism. Thanks for the input there on the stream. Yeah, if the reverse worked with Tommy Hill, great. It didn't. It was second and 15 from your four. You got cute on first down. You've used Tommy Hill to go deep. Tough, tough catch, but a catch that could have been made taking the top off, right, for about a 40, 50-yard gain, mm-hmm. and, and Tommy didn't come up with it. Yeah. Uh, so, listen, I hope they keep using Tommy Hill, and I hope Tommy Hill can be making some plays. My, my quick rundown on what's real with this Nebraska football game through three games, first and foremost, is the staff. Okay? You've got attention to detail. You've got guys that are about every minute possibility. You've got organization. You have development. You've seen guys. That's real. Also, it kind of falls under the staff part. What my takeaway is through three games, their their coaching and development's good, and I agree that the defense is real. Uh, Is the defense going to be perfect? Is the defense not going to get gouged by a, a Michigan Possible. Michigan's going to do that to a lot of teams potentially this year. Iowa could do that to some teams if their offense, 41 points, travels. Uh, you, you have games on the schedule that you won't win. You're just not better than offense, defense, special teams. I also think, and I'm ready to say this, I think Fedoni as a go-to playmaker is is real he's just going to keep getting better already has two touchdowns love his catch radius i like his mentality and i also think sims's turnover problems is very real mm-hmm. okay i think while there's some good and you hope he's ready to go and has a great performance if you're a nebraska fan push comes to shove i'm betting money that there'll still be turnover problems based on his history that's just that's just my quick take. I think what might be a mirage right now is your run game. 200 yards the first three games. Can this offensive line and the running back room led by Anthony Grant do that against the Michigans of the world? So that's where I'm at right now with real or a mirage. Mm-hmm. Another thing I want to add to the, the real list 
is this team's commitment to physicality. That's not that's yes, not real through take. the first three games. The commitment to physicality. This is a more physical football team than we've seen over the past couple of years, and I'd argue that this team has been more physical than the first three opponents on their schedule. Well, that still remain true whenever Michigan's in town? Who well, knows? But I can guarantee you that team is going to play physical against Michigan. I'm not going to guarantee that they're going to get out physical Michigan, but that commitment to physicality has been very real thus far this week. No, you nailed it. That's that's a big miss by me, but no, physicality absolutely is real. We'll get Babber's take on this. What's real? What's a mirage with Nebraska football right now through three games? Maybe Babbers has a story of a tailgate injury. He didn't do much tailgating because he's been covering Nebraska football for four decades and been awesome at it. But we'll spend time with Mr. Husker Football. Mike Babcock's on the way at MD Babs on Twitter's where you follow him. Wednesday edition moves forward at Hale Varsity. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. We'll get to more of your comments, some thoughts from Coach White as well. Uh, some of your tailgate injuries are coming in the inbox. Chris at HaleVarsity.com. My wife, the bunny, has suffered a uh, bite by one of those pirate bugs last Saturday. She is not taking it well. <laughs> but I think she'll be back out there next weekend. She's going to. Uh, put some ointment on it and and give her a go, I think. Uh, Greg from Michigan emails in projectile vomit is all he said when it comes to tailgate injury. That's a minor tailgate injury. Not if you're in the area of it. It's one thing if you're doing it. It's another thing if you're... If it's splattering on your ankles. If you're in the crowd, (laughs) yes. Mike Babcock is extremely happy. He's joined the show Wednesday today. Babbers with Hale Varsity, of course, has joined us from his football office. You want Mike's newsletter from Hale Varsity? You want to hear and uh, read about incredible Nebraska storylines? Can ask Mike and send an email to him to get the newsletter with Hale Varsity. Mike B., at herdatsports.com. Mike B. at herdatsports.com. Babbers, do you have a tailgate injury that you've heard about? Is there a legendary one out there? Uh, no, you know, I, I, don't, I don't recall ever having tailgated. I, I didn't think um, you, you would either. I mean, I, I mean, you've been front and center covering games for, for the longest time, doing an amazing job at it. So I know, I'm just wondering if there's one, well, I heard about this one Nebraska fan who wrote into me and said, you know, we put a like Griswold, right? The first uh, vacation or the the European vacation with the Griswolds, where 
Clark and Ellen didn't communicate with the the lighter fluid with the grill. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've, one, I've tried. One of those. If there have been those kinds of things, I've tried to block them out. <laughs> Mike's it, like it would, it would ruin game day for me. No, I know, I know. Well, well, Mike, on a different note, then what would you like to hear Schmitty's voice used for? I think he shot down awful. Fifty Shades of Grey. People, people said Gilbert Godfrey, rest his soul, it, it would <laughs> Gilbert would rank in front of me about doing the voice, the Aflac Duck voice doing Fifty Shades of Grey. Well, I got a, a message in saying, Schmidt, your voice would be perfect to, to introduce Derek Jeter in the Yankees starting lineup. Wow. It's a PA guy. I forget the gentleman that's passed away at Yankee Stadium who did the, the voice, but Jeter had him record it because that's, that what, that's what was played when he came up to, to bat was the legendary PA voice of the Yankees voice saying, Jeter, Derek Jeter. Uh, Bob Shepard. Thank you. I should have known that. But yeah, what about Bob the Shepard. legendary voice of Husker Radio, Lyle Brumser. You could. Lyle was incredible. I mean that. He was. He did it a long time. He was. He was the standard man. Lyle's. Lyle's incredible. So, Mike, how about the? There you go. Lyle Bremser reading Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> <laughs> man, woman, and, and child. child. There I was gonna go. <laughs> All right, real or a mirage? What is real for Nebraska football babbers through three games? Well, I think you caught it. Uh, I think the defense uh, is definitely real. I think that Nebraska has shown that uh, consistently, that the, the defense can get the job done. If, if the offense doesn't put it in difficult situations, and sometimes even when the offense does, um, the defense gets them out of it, so I think that's a real, uh, a real thing. Your your talk about development, I think, is is something that's real in this program. Um, the thing about development is that you have to have an element of patience among the fans, uh, uh, and and in this day and age, or this season particularly, when you see what Prime has done at Colorado, um, the immediate success. Um, compare that, and we'll, and we'll see how that goes. That with Oregon will be a good test in Eugene and Southern Cal the next week in Boulder. Um, but uh, uh, you, you have to have patience if you're in a development situation, uh, unlike what what Prime has done there. I, I guess he doesn't like to be called Dion, so what <laughs> What crime is that? Ba- Babbers, oh. you could call him Dion, and he'd, he'd be okay with it. Yeah, he'd probably have me thrown out of the press box into the air there at uh, Boulder. Give yourself a little credit. Folsom Field. <laughs> Mike, whenever we talk about Real or Mirage, though, we've had a couple comments in on the on the development. What's your take on the development that we've seen thus far under rural in Nebraska? Is that real or is that a mirage? No, I think development is a real thing. I, I, again, I think patience is, a, is an element of that. And I think some of the development is happening off the field. In other words, we're not necessarily seeing some of the players that are developing, that are going in a, certain, in a positive direction in the program, um, but they're not ready to be on the field yet. I think that's, that, that's part of it. it. It's just not the guys on the field. But a good example, I think, of development is uh, Heinrich Harburg. Mm. I mean, um, he's made a dramatic, I think, 
improvement from the spring um, through fall camp to the point where he got an opportunity to start and really showed, uh, I think, what he could do. I was especially impressed with his uh, unwillingness to slide and to take on tacklers head on. And some of those tacklers, I think, were a little worse for wear uh, uh, taking him on because of his size and his his uh, ferocity, do I want to say, or grit was the word that you guys were using earlier. But I think he's an example of development. Um, you know, they, they uh, Matt Rule and, and his staff decided to keep him you know, he, he could have been one of the guys that was essentially, uh, you know, hey, we'll help you find some other place. Um, but but they didn't. You know, they, they kept him. And I do think that he's an example of that uh, development that uh, uh, we're talking about. But there's a lot, there's development going on that we wouldn't necessarily see immediately. That's the thing. I mean, you don't just come in and say, okay, well, we got spring and fall camp, and we've developed these guys, and they're ready to roll. But in his case, I think that's been the, that's what's happened. Mike Babcock with Hale Varsity joining us at MD Babs on Twitter. Mike, what are you unsure about right now? What's a mirage? And I, I threw in the run game. It's not that I don't like Grant or the possibility of these young pups doing well they're going to have to moving forward with nebraska's running back situation but it's more so the offensive line that's taking a while to get going and i'm not sneezing at 200 yards i think that's that's admirable i mean they didn't they didn't memory serves i don't think they ran for 200 yards last year so there's a commitment to it to elijah's point about being a physical offense i just don't know this passing game is to the point where they're going to be capable to set up the run. And they're going to have to in a week. They may have to this weekend. And can the run game be more stable? Can it be as good as it's been moving forward in Big Ten play? Well, uh, 200 yards a game, I think, if you could be consistent with that, I, that, that's a good – in this day and age, the way offenses are run, if you can accomplish that, I think that's a good place to start. Um now, what's going to happen with the, the injuries at, at running back? Um, that's a significant concern, I think, mm-hmm. um, because you're putting it all on, on uh, uh, basically on Grant. I, I know Emmett Johnson uh, is, in, is number two on the depth chart, is in the mix. He's not a real big guy. He doesn't have experience. Um, there's going to be a case of development, what we're talking about, and how fast he can, he can adjust there or Quentin Ives. Uh, you know, he's, he's uh, what, 6'2", 185 is what he's listed at. Uh, probably uh, needs to put on a little weight, maybe has put on some weight. Um, I think the running back is a, uh, the running game is a concern. I think also the passing game, to me, consistency in, in, through the air is, is, if you want to talk about things that haven't really uh, materialized in the way that they need to, um, that's an area where I think you need to be more consistent and be able to attack a little bit more with the passing game and be successful. And, you know, you, we really haven't had um, Kemp is, is not been as active as you would hope or been involved as much as you would hope. Um, the tight ends, certainly Fedoni. Uh, I think Borgature is really a good player as well. Uh, 
And the other thing is that I would say on offense is, you know, how is the fullback fitting in here? I don't, I think we need to see more of that. Um, and maybe we will now, given the situation at running back. But uh, I just haven't seen the fullback being as involved as I thought uh, it would be uh, going into the season. It's Mike Babcock with us here, Hale Varsity Radio, talking what's real and what's a mirage with this Husker football team. And Mike, as we look ahead to Louisiana Tech, I guess I'm going to flip this around and talk real or mirage for them. One of the things that's made some headlines is just the, the gaudy numbers that their offenses put up, averaging almost 500 yards a game against some weaker opposition, though. And I'm going to get your thoughts on, on people's concern. I've seen this Louisiana Tech team compared to Georgia Southern. Are, are they real or are they a mirage in terms of what type of threat they pose to Nebraska? Well, uh, what, two and two, uh, lost to SMU, lost to North Texas. Yep. Um, wins Northwestern State and Florida International. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's still uncertain what you're going to see. I'm, this is not 1998 Eddie Robinson Classic with uh, Tim Rattay and Troy Edwards. You know, that, that team, Edwards uh, caught – 21 passes for 405 yards. Uh, uh, Rattay threw for 590 yards against the Oscars. I don't think we're going to see that kind of a thing. But I think we're going to see an offense that's that's a little more uh, uh, wide open, more like what we saw with Colorado. Um, but, you know, Nebraska had how many sacks in the, against Colorado? I think the defense is up to that. You just – offensively, you just can't – keep putting the defense in difficult situations and expect them to come up with it every time. So I think it'll be a difficult thing for, for uh, Louisiana Tech dealing with this defense. Mike, real quick, about 30 seconds. Tell folks about the Hale Varsity newsletter and what's coming up. Um, yeah, the newsletter, uh, we do it a couple times a week on Tuesdays and either Thursday or Friday. Uh, Tuesdays is historical. The Friday thing is more related to the upcoming game. I, I, you know, I really enjoy the opportunity to do it. Um, and I can tell stories, the history part, I can certainly tell stories uh, there. So you get far enough back, like I always say, you get too far back, um, there's nobody to dispute it. So you know, <laughs> I, 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 try, I try to do a little better than that. Mike Babcock, Mr. Husker Football, Hale Varsity at MD Babs on Twitter. You want Babbers? newsletter with Hale Varsity, Mike B. at HerdAdSports.com. Mike, we will see you on Saturday, bud. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we'll see you Saturday. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Varsity Radio with you on Wednesday. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. More of your comments in the stream. Open phones for you till 5. Evan Bland with us here. Big thanks to Mike Babcock. Get his newsletter with Hale Varsity. Mike B. at HerdAtSports.com. Just to remind you again, it's awesome to get his uh, commentary and historical perspective. We'll get to some of your comments in the stream. 489-1240-800-825-5865. Greg says the defense and development are real with Nebraska football. What's the mirage? And that's the topic here, hour one, real or a mirage with with Nebraska football through three games. Greg's like, look, 35 points. <laughs> that's a mirage for Nebraska football moving forward. I think they can 
put up enough points, control the ball Saturday, Elijah, you know, 35, 40, upper 20s, that's fine. Nebraska wasn't really doing that. They haven't done that since they moved to the Big Ten post-Bow. They just haven't. Post-Tim Beck, they've not put up more than 22 to 24 points a game in Big Ten play. They were good for a solid 30 to 35 with Beck and Team Magic and Amir and all those guys that really ran that offense well, coupled with a really good offensive line. But it's been tough sledding, which it's tough sledding for about everybody in the Big Ten offensively. So, uh, yeah, you have um, Cutter that chimed in, and I think he's right here. You mentioned physicality. I love the development from a recruiting standpoint, right? So far, so good when you look at a Cam Lenhart, right? Cam Lenhart's a guy that the staff was able to keep, and he's he's played well. It's just one guy, but what else is possible with this staff? Now, you can go the other side of it with, with portal evaluation. How many guys have thrived from the portal that have made their way? And, and that's a case-by-case situation, but you're waiting for a, a breakout, aren't you, from an MJ Sherman? You're waiting for a breakout in a good way from a, for, for a Sims. Mm-hmm. And I think, to be fair, uh, you know, what you got with, with Kemp, Kemp's coming along. They're, they're, they're finding ways to get him the ball and target him. He played well against Colorado, got into the end zone. So he's that twitch guy in the slot that you got to be able to, to use along with Fedoni. So jury's still out on some of the portal additions. Most of the portal additions, I'd argue. That's very fair. Uh, Mirage, uh, Cutter says, is the O-line uh, still way behind where they should be? Listen, and, and I disagree with that. And I just, I just think you're you're working with what you got, and I'm going to leave it there. I don't think the mirage is an offensive line because I don't think anyone is Ben Hart better. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm getting there. Okay. I'm, get, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. The development of the offensive line from last year to this year, I think, is real. I think you've seen Good guys take. get better. Agreed. Ben Hart. I mean, the one exception being Corcoran, but I don't think the offensive line as a whole is a mirage. I don't think it's legit either. I, I think what we heard all offseason long was this offseason, this offensive line can be one of the strengths of the team. If that's the lens you're looking at it through, then yeah, sure, the offensive line's a mirage. I don't think they're one of the strengths of the team. I still think they're the, the weak point uh, for the most part of that entire team, aside from maybe the turnovers with Jeff Sims. But I don't think they're a mirage because I think we all have pretty clear eyes whenever we see this offensive line. I don't think any of us have hopped on a, a post-game show or I don't think you or I have hopped on this radio show and said, you know what, this offensive line, they're great. They're one of the best in the Big Ten. It's, it's not a mirage in that way. I don't think they're where the offensive line needs to be moving forward for what you need from a Husker football team in the right. way that this offense wants to operate in the long term. They're not there yet, but I don't think I'm prepared to call them a mirage because we've been we've been hard on them. We've been critical of the offensive line. We've been line. fair. We've not been evil or mean-spirited. We've been very fair been, about— Yeah, critical in a fair way. Yeah, yeah. like because I think we can say, look, Ben Hart's better. Mm-hmm. That's great. I think we've said Lutoski's been pretty good. And I think we've been fair about the offensive line, the left side of it, needing to step their game up. And I think you could see that when Teddy P's healthy and ready to go. But there's a major difference with him there, presumably, than what you've got there now. And there's a domino effect, I would assume, on the line, where guys are trying to cover cover up and cover spots. That's why they've gone 
with uh, some of those jumbo packages where they've they brought in extra help. Kirk chimes in in the stream. Let's get this up there. I really want to see the wide receivers blocking downfield and use the heck out of tight ends in the pass game. I mean, you've seen Fedoni, his role grow. You've seen Borkature, uh the first game, get a couple of grabs uh, against Minnesota. So I think the tight ends are not only a, a convenient option for a passing game you're not really super confident in that's one position where you should have a matchup issue and from a route standpoint just get him the football out in the flat or get him the football eight ten yards downfield uh and and let it work that way but listen i i think the passing game is just going to be what it is and that is it's you're not going to be able to win games if you if you're forced to throw and you may not even be able to get your running game going because you can't throw consistently we've got to see that on Saturdays from who's ever quarterbacking now rule did say this on his radio show last night so I'm going to bring this up Kirk Nebraska averaged what was it one and a half knockdowns per play Elaborate on that. Okay, so every play... I think I missed this. Okay, no, this was good. And this this goes back to to Nebraska and, and Ron Brown. Ron Brown and Coach Osborne were like, all right, every play that's a run play or even a pass play when it comes to blocking, you saw the, the love that Piper got with his pancake. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a pancake a, slash a knockdown. knockdown. So on every play... The, the glory teams of Nebraska, the really good lines of scrimmage teams, or the receiving crew with the Corey Dixons of the world, the Abdul Muhammads, they would average a one-and-a-half knockdowns per play. So almost two guys got to uh, – their back got to meet the turf per play. And if Nebraska can do that moving forward, that means you're, you're decleating somebody. <laughs> And that that eleven on eleven turns into eleven on nine. Right? Does Ben Scott's knockdown count? The one he was flagged on. Does, it, does that one count? I, I from like a semantics. I point like of view? the effort and the attitude. <laughs> hey, the the refs were late with their whistle. I like a guy playing through the whistle, but you still get flagged for it. That's what I wonder. Does that get a, a check mark on the the box from the coaching staff or not? Well, uh, let's clarify Cutter's comment here. I don't disagree, Elijah. I agree with you in the sense I was saying that the mirage, because of how much the coaching staff has talked them up, they uh, have improved, but it's not what you expected. That's, I think we're all kind of there, right? They're better, but they're better from what was really bad a season ago when it comes to pass protection in an offense that was calling 45 pass attempts a game. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and 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 I can understand. That's why I brought that up. They're they're not the strength of the offense just yet. And if you thought they were going to be from what the coaching staff said this offseason, I, I can understand that. And maybe we'll get into this next segment. I actually think the defensive line is a lot more of a mirage thus far this year than what the offensive line has been. And we're up against a break, so I'm not going to be able to elaborate Ooh, on that. Tell maybe. me a little more. Yeah, we'll get into that, that after the break. All right, numbers uh, to get in four eight nine twelve forty eight hundred. 825-5865 can email chris at hailvarsity.com and uh, what's real, what's a mirage so far with Nebraska football. 
Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, it's Hail Varsity Radio. You can stream the show, the Hail Varsity YouTube channel. Give us a follow on the Hail Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Elijah Herbal at Herbal Essence. Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio. And as always, podca- podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play is where you go to uh, to get the show uh, audio-wise. So, Elijah, let's reset and then expand here. We're talking real or a mirage. We'll get to Evan Bland in about 10 minutes. And uh, you were going to give us something on the defensive line. Are you buying? Or is the D-line real from what you've seen? Or is it a mirage to you? It leans more mirage to me. I really? Think, I think there's oh, talent there. Man. Don't get me wrong. Okay. All right. Don't get me wrong. I think Nebraska's got a solid couple guys in that defensive line. I think more how prepared and ready to go these freshmen are is a bit of a mirage. I, I think you have the guys like Ty and the guys like Nash. They're a load. And I, I think whenever the freshmen get in and, and snaps after that, makes your job just a little bit easier whenever you've – you know, been beaten down by Ty Robinson and Nash Hutmacher for the entire first quarter. Now you get your drive. But whenever I look at the offensive lines that Nebraska has faced to start the year, not a single one of them has impressed me. And very realistically, there's a chance that that's just because Nebraska's defensive line is that good. But Minnesota, the the talking point headed into that game against Nebraska was they're going to sling the ball around a little bit more this year because they don't quite like what they have on their offensive line. They haven't been able to find a solid five. I I think Minnesota, because of their quarterback – Listen, he had to throw – both quarterbacks had to throw 44 times because nothing was happening run guy run game-wise and nothing was happening up the middle run game-wise. And there was no edge to, to get outside on. I mean, Nebraska's front six or seven or however you want to term it in the 3-3. Three, three, we'll call it the front seven. Listen, uh, the, the, the thing that's been unique about Nebraska, and I'll say they're real. I think the, the role that the young kids have had – and that's go in there and beat the hell out of the quarterback uh, on third down, like a Lenhard or a Princewell um, or a Butler. Okay, those guys have all come in and done well. I think the I think it's very real with Nash Hutmacher and his agility. His strength's always been there, but the guy can move and he's chasing people down. Uh, same with Ty. I mean, Ty, both those guys is a one-two punch. They're they're real. And I think the the young guys that come in behind him, they're not being asked right now to to carry anything. They're they're being asked to compliment. And even when, when Ty was done in the second half uh of, of that Minnesota game, Nebraska's listen, Nebraska defensive line didn't really falter. Uh secondary had a couple of missteps. Offense put him in bad spots. But I, I mean, I think the the defensive line's very real. I don't, I don't, I just don't think you have faced a team that has enough trust in their offensive line to go body blows against Nebraska just yet. And there are teams on the schedule coming up that I think Husker fans might get a, a little dose for. I'm not saying it's we'll, going to be we'll, as we'll bad. Know, we'll know real in two weeks. We'll, yes. we'll, we'll we'll know very much next two in next three weeks because Illinois. I mean, their, their game plan is going to be trying to run it down your throat as well. We, we haven't seen Nebraska's defensive line stand up to that. Maybe they are real. Maybe that's going to be the proof that I need. But I haven't seen an offensive line that I think has truly tested this Nebraska's 
defensive line in terms of what they can do running the football. The thing that, that will screw Nebraska football this season, if it doesn't get turned around, isn't going to be the defense. It's going to be the offense. And what it doesn't do or what position it puts the D in. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hour 2 at Hale Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel could always stream the show, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. And uh, check out the show that way. Podcast as well. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or where you hear us on the Hale Varsity Radio Network. Keep your comments coming. We'll get to those around 520 in the stream on uh, Nebraska and uh, just some observations you have as the fan on the offense and, and defense as we've kicked off the topic, real or a mirage. We've laid out some things that, that we think. We love your input as well. Let's talk some more Nebraska with Evan Bland of the Omaha World. Harold at Evan Bland, OWH on Twitter. Evan, midweek is here, bud. How are we doing? Hanging in. It's a part of a you know nice little stretch of home games, too. And the, the weather's turning. It's all good. I love this time of year. It is fantastic temperatures. Uh, truth be told, I, I am dreaming of having a, a good second hour, good second half, as they say, racing to my favorite spot, buying the biggest T-bone there is mm. and baked potato, and then just pouring a whiskey and sitting out and having a, a nice uh, midweek edition dinner. Because of the weather, I can grill. I can still grill. It's incredible. Yeah, you got the grilling on the one hand. You can go, you know, I have uh, young kids. You can go s'mores and doughboys and all kinds of different things. It's a it's a versatile time of year. You got to get get out that quarter zip and uh, <laughs> yeah, you can go a lot of different ways. We are gonna we are gonna coordinate that first sixty degree day, Evan. That's a that's a Wednesday. We're gonna get you on camera, and you and I will both wear our quarter zips. <laughs> Sounds great. We'll do it. Sounds like Evan and I have a closet full to choose from. So, uh, Nebraska's dealing with the injury bug, Evan. And I know you've you've spent uh, time this week talking and writing about it. And what's your what's your thought on on Nebraska right now? I want to get your take on the real or a mirage topic we've we've spent time on. And what? Give me one thing you think's real about the football team. Give me a thing that's a mirage or or maybe to put a different a different way you have a question mark about with the team going in to Saturday and beyond Big 10 play. Well, I I think the defense is real. Um, you know, the second half against Colorado notwithstanding, like it's been really interesting to watch because they've been able to play so many guys with hardly a drop off at all. I think I think the number is 30 different defenders that have played at least 10 snaps on defense, and you think about the first three games for Nebraska, I mean, we're not talking a lot of garbage time necessarily. I mean, a little bit in the fourth quarter against Colorado and, and maybe a little bit late against Northern Illinois, but, like, you know, you're seeing 20 guys pretty much rotating in there in critical situations. So that seems to be 
seems to be real. It seems to be uh, a strength along the defensive line. I think we kind of thought the secondary and the the linebacking group would be a strength, and that's held up and, and had even a little bit more depth maybe than we would have expected. So, you know, I, I think that'll certainly continue this week with Louisiana Tech that's dealing with injuries of its own at quarterback and running back and some of the skill positions. Um, obviously, that'll be put to the test with Michigan the week after that. But that, it, it does seem like that's going to be the group that you can continue to rely on. You know, Mirage or what I'm curious about, I still feel I feel like the jury is still kind of out on special teams and what exactly that can be. I mean, it, We've seen a good game from Brian Buschini. We've seen, uh, you know, one where where he was spraying it a little bit up in Colorado, and that might have been injury related. We've only seen a couple field goal attempts from Tristan Alvano. The the one good return on kickoffs was from Ramir Johnson, and he's out for the year. So like, it feels like that group has graduated from being sort of the liability that it's been uh, in the past, certainly a couple years ago, three, four years ago. Uh, but I, I don't, I, I wonder if it can provide that spark, that blocked punt, that big return, a clutch field goal. Like it just hasn't really shown up yet. And when you talk about embarking on big 10 play, like they're going to be a lot of tight games, a lot of situations where you're maybe going to need a lift from a surprise contributor. Uh, and I'll be curious to see if special teams is up to the task. Evan Bland with us here from the Omaha World Herald talking some real or mirage. It's been our topic of the day here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Evan, some people seem to disagree with me, and that's okay. I, I, it's not the first time people have disagreed with my takes, and I'm sure it won't be the last either. But I think that the, the defensive line, what we've seen from them so far, could be a mirage. And I'm not willing to put that firmly in the mirage category. I want to see a little bit more. But I don't think they've necessarily gone up against... A, a team that is really going to commit itself to the running game. And maybe that's because that nobody's wanted to run against the Husker defensive line. But I don't think that the teams they've played were teams that wanted to run the football against this Husker defense all night long. And I'm not quite sure that that defensive line is as real as it's made out to be right now. What's your take on the defensive line? Yeah, I mean, you could make that argument. Like Minnesota seemed like they went to the pass game quicker than they have in the past. Certainly Colorado had, had very little interest in running it. Northern Illinois, um, you know, they, they tried for a while, and, and you know, guys like Nash Helpmaker were just dominating the center um, in a one-on-one type of situation, so you couldn't really couldn't really gauge that um, all that well either. But, you know, I, I think about that unit as it came into the year. We knew Ty Robinson was sort of the resident veteran there. It felt like Nash Helpmaker was going to take a step. That's certainly, to this point, proven to be the case. And then you just kind of wondered with that next group of guys, like, would, would they be up to the task? Would they be able to hold up physically? You know, I think Cam Lenhart has certainly acquitted himself well. Uh, Prince William and Mielin, uh, same sort of deal. Uh, you can kind of just go down the line a little bit, and they've, they've found some guys. A.J. Rollins got a little bit of run against Northern Illinois last week as well. Um, and, and you can kind of start talking about that jack spot, too. Jamari Butler's had a couple of sacks. Uh, you know, cheap orders and MJ Sherman. So, like, I I think they have the bodies, but I, certainly, if you want to make the case that their opponents at this point have not been hard nosed uh, rushing teams that have wanted to pound you on the ground for four quarters, I think you could you could make that argument. Um, but you know, again, like some of the individual developments that we've seen with with guys like Nash, who who I think stands out specifically, is notable. 
Um, and then you hear defenders this week saying, yeah, I mean, it makes a difference when you hit hard on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and you're practicing tackling and you're, you're sort of toughened up so that on Saturdays that's not, that's not the difference, but that's just kind of the norm of what you've had. So it feels like this is a group that's sort of steeled for the, for the you know, black and blue Big Ten and, and ground and pound that we're going to see. But certainly uh, you know, Michigan in a couple weeks is going to be the ultimate test of that. Evan Bland's with us here from the Omaha World Herald at Evan Bland OWH on Twitter. Evan, you wrote about the quarterback decision that looms for Saturday uh, in in your latest story, and you did a little research on on rules history with with quarterbacks. And Sims is is kind of a new new era, new rule. Um, Situation because before Rule left, there was no portal, there was transfer opportunity. But Rule's a guy that had always, uh, at some point, if he had to make a quarterback change, he went young, didn't he? Yeah, you know, it, it was interesting. I asked him about that on Monday, and he and he pointed out, you know, when he was at Temple, his first year in 2013, uh, he inserted. P.J. Walker midway through that year, and he was the guy for the next three and a half seasons. And a similar situation at Baylor in 2017, um, you know, Charlie Brewer enters in in like game five or game six or whatever and doesn't come out like for the rest of Matt Rule's time in Waker in Waco. So what I thought was interesting, though, was that when you look at the situations that led to both of those freshmen, they didn't start game one. They got their opportunities because the guy or guys ahead of them uh, were injured and ineffective with turnovers. And so it kind of reminds you a little bit of, of the current situation at Nebraska. So I'm not saying that Heinrich Harburg's going to start Saturday and, and never going to come out again, but that precedent has been there at other points in Matt Rule's career. So I thought that was, uh, that was interesting. And certainly uh, he's a guy who has talked a lot about building this program, you know, the year one, setting the culture, and, and you're, you're, you're going to build off of this into the future. Heinrich Harburg, you know, has, has multiple years of eligibility remaining. If you feel like he is the guy or can be capable of being the guy, uh, there is a history in Matt Rule's background that says, yeah, you know, go, he's willing to go with that person, uh, building him up and, and kind of bringing the team along. So uh, we'll see if that plays out. Um, you know, there, some of the situation uh, – Circumstances are different. Jeff Sims uh, was the hand-picked guy out of the portal. They they felt like he was the guy throughout the off season, and so how much difference then does three games make in that calculation? I think we'll find out Saturday night uh, or Saturday afternoon. I, I, I think my opinion at this point is that you'll probably see both of them in some regard, and I do think when you look at not just Louisiana Tech but uh, into Michigan and beyond, like this is the last week. If you're going to put a guy out there, um, this is that sort of get-right week where you start to feel you can have guys feel better about themselves, find some success. And I think that could be valuable for a guy like Sims uh, after a couple of rough weeks to start that he could feel good about himself heading into Big Ten play. Evan, do you think we'll, we'll know who the starter will be moving forward by about 6 o'clock on Saturday? Do you think that question gets answered against Louisiana Tech, or do you think we're going to have another week of this discussion next week as we uh, get geared up for the Michigan game? My hunch would be we're going to have another week of this. Like Louisiana Tech's defense is probably the worst that Nebraska is going to see this year statistically. I mean, you look at it, I think they're going to be able to run the ball uh, with whoever's in there. Your quarterback, whether that's Sims or Harburg, I don't think is going to be under too much 
pressure to pass very much, and certainly Nebraska's shown that it's not been willing to pass all that much to this point. So I don't know how much you answer there uh, unless one of those guys comes in and, and, and really struggles and the other guy lights it up. Uh, to me, this is a chance where maybe you see both guys in, uh, at different points, maybe even in different roles. Uh, we'll see. Um, but then, yeah, I think it's going to come down to, to Michigan and beyond. Like You're going to have to prove it against a Big Ten defense, um, and I just, you know, I don't see that necessarily manifesting this week uh, against a Conference USA team. Evan, what do you think you have in Harburg? You've got a kid that's loyal. You've got an in-state kid that's tough. He's got some tools, recruited as a passer, uh, if you remember, uh, based on his time in Cardi Catholic that, that, was, uh-huh. that was mobile, but he just hadn't had the, the watering that's necessary. Now he's been watered. He's got some confidence. He handled himself well. Is he a guy that, that is going to be asked in his career to, to manage, say he wins the job uh, at some point in his career, to, to just manage and make a few plays or do you think he's got the ability to be a, play, a playmaker and, and difference maker at quarterback in the in the Big Ten? Well, I mean, I think we saw some of that difference making ability against Northern Illinois. Just you know, you remember him from high school. Uh, he was a guy who could who could jump out of the gym as a basketball player. He could dunk. So like he, he's one of the faster guys, one of the more explosive athletes on the team. So like. If you think Jeff Sims is is more explosive, and maybe he is, it's not by much, uh, just from a from a metrics or, or you know measurables sort of standpoint. So I think he's got that going for him. Like you said, he he comes from a passing system in high school, so that part's not new to him. Uh, he's a smart guy. I know he he, he had you know four point or maybe above that in high school. Was an early enrollee at Nebraska. Quick processor. So yeah, you think that he probably has a lot of those pieces and those intangibles to to jump in and do this. You know what? I, what I think is interesting is kind of bringing it back to the defense a little bit. Like I think before the season, the the thought internally and and from the outside was that the defense could be good, but maybe not as good as it's been. And so if you feel like you need to you know, win some high-scoring games, you probably want to go with a guy like Sims, who's done it before, who's who can, you know, score from 60 yards out with his legs. I wonder now, after you see how the Northern Illinois game turned out uh, and, and just how dominant potentially that Nebraska defense can be, maybe you do place more value on ball security and game management just knowing that there is a, a, a reasonable path to victory as long as you don't give it away. And so, so far, that's something Harburg has in his favor, uh, and you would think that he's going to get more opportunities to continue to show that this week. Evan Bland with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. And, Evan, I think we'll get you out of here on this. we got about 90 seconds left. Nebraska wins the game on Saturday if, and I, I know it doesn't carry as much weight as a game like Colorado or Minnesota in terms of what Nebraska needs to do. You assume they have the talent advantage, but what does Nebraska need to get done on Saturday? I think it's pretty straightforward. I think you got to run the ball a lot. I mean, again, Louisiana Tech was the worst FBS team in the country last year at stopping the run. They're not that much better at it this year. I know they've, you know, they've had a couple of games against uh, an FCS opponent that maybe uh, alters those numbers a little bit. But I think you have to, you have to run it. Um, but I also think when you look ahead toward Big Ten play, you you got to start figuring out something in the pass game. You got to start finding ways to get Billy Kemp the ball in space or, uh, you know, more targets for Thomas Fedoni, or maybe you get a freshman receiver going like Malachi Coleman or Jalen Lloyd. 
I just think, you know, again, if, if Nebraska wants to win this game, they're going to run it. But I do think this is the week. This has to be that, that last week where you also try some other players, try some other things that you can use carrying forward that's going to win you some games in the league. So Evan Bland says Anthony Grant has the Roy Hallou game. On, on, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm sorry to put words there. I just thought it'd be kind of funny. But uh, Evan, no, I get you. Why not? If this is a team you can line up and smoke, listen, uh, figure out a way to, to get comfortable with some things that you're actually going to call in Big Ten action and we'll see if Nebraska does it. Evan, always love talking with you, man. We'll see you on Saturday. Thanks for a few minutes. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There he is, Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald. Find him on Twitter at Evan Bland, OWH. Open phones here next with Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Be sure to get the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with Hale Varsity Radio. Get that downloaded, get that subscribed to, and get your comments in on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. So Chase asks the question about Fedoni. We're talking real or a mirage. I think Thomas Fedoni's production as it's ramped up. Four catches, 40-plus yards last week. A couple of targets against Colorado. Really nice catch on a couple of of sideline routes. I think there's chemistry between him and Harburg. And Chase was asking, do you think the improvements of Fedoni – in the last game, mostly due to his relationship with Harburg. Will Fedoni production drop if Sims is quarterback? Listen, him and Borkature, Elijah, got to be primary targets with where, Nebra- with where Nebraska's passing game is at right now. Oh, and that's where I was going to go, is the fact that I think it's, it's less due to the quarterback and more due to play calling. Yeah. If, 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 if whenever whenever if, you have two quarterbacks who, as far as I can tell, are both about one read, guys. Fair. I think it comes down to the play calling of making the tight end your first read and your passing concepts that you're calling and, and finding concepts that are going to be able to, to take advantage of what that tight end brings to the system. And, and Fedoni's had a couple of catches, too, on broken plays, sitting down in the opening in his own lane. The old scramble drill. So, so you have that element as well. And I think that those are the plays that you can come down to maybe chemistry. You know, Harburg's rolling out outside. He's panicking a little bit, knowing he's trying to make a play, and the, the first place his mind goes is Fedoni. That might be a little bit more due to relationship, but I think based on on the usage we saw against Northern Illinois, I think that's more down to, to play calling and play design and trying to say, you know what, we have a guy in our offense that presents a matchup nightmare to a lot of defenses. Let's make this the first guy in our route concept as opposed to guys like Billy Kemp and guys like Alex Bullock, and that's no discredit to them. I just think you have more of a matchup problem for defenses with what Fedoni has with his frame and his athleticism. What I've liked from Fedoni, too, is just how aggressive and he continues to get better at, at well, mauling people, right? I mean, he got very physical with the, the Colorado secondary. He had a good day of blocking from what it looks like last Saturday. And he'll continue to do that. I, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be out of necessity here. I think there's great chemistry. I think they're comfortable. I think they grew up. If you read Mitch's story with the athletic, Mitch Sherman's. I mean, they they've been working together a while with the Warren Academy, so they're not strangers to one another. 
and you just hope that continues. And it does. It, listen, if if Sims is quarterback, he better find Fedoni. Mm-hmm. Well, right, it, especially it, how how nice would the old play action roll right? Find the old Mike McNeil safety blanket out in the flat for a, a, a six yard completion that turns into a thirteen yard gain. Well, it's about identity, right? Offensive identity, and that's something Nebraska struggled with through the first two games. And I think there's a reason why when Fedoni becomes a bigger part of the offense on Saturday against Northern Illinois, we after that game said, you know what, it starts to feel like Nebraska is starting to develop an offensive identity. I think it's because the coaching staff realized through the first two games you have a problem guy for defenses in Fedoni, and that that can be a you don't have a lot of you don't, play. you don't have a lot of guys that you can say that about right now on offense. No, no. You, I mean, Kemp's not fun to tackle in space. Grant's no fun to try and take down, especially if you're a, a guy from the secondary. He's going to go headhunt you, right? And, and Grant will have another opportunity at that. But I mean, I Fedoni's, think, Fedoni's uh, and, and Borkature, too, is up the seam, are two options. And I, I think whenever I think about the guys on this offense right now that do present matchup problems to defenses, you think of the potential of Bonner, even though he hasn't quite shown it thus far. I think the athleticism that he can have coming out of the backfield, being a guy who's going to be matched up on a linebacker, hasn't quite been taken advantage of enough. And you're not sure what's going on behind the scenes there. But I think there's a potential guy there. and You want to see a little bit more out of him or really from any of the fullbacks. Fedoni is, is the, the top guy, probably from the offense in terms of matchup problems. And then outside of that, it's probably the quarterback in his legs. Mm-hmm. What he can do, because both those guys, Sims and Harburg, those are guys that are the size from a height and weight standpoint of a, of a linebacker in the Big Ten. But those guys have the wheels of a defensive back. And that presents some problems whenever those guys have the ball in their, their hands. And I think that's why you look at Saturday, hmm, maybe Nebraska is developing an offensive identity. Because what was it? It was a lot of quarterback run, a lot of looking for Fedoni. I love Kent. Because Kent's top rope, steel chair, email chris at hailvarsity.com. <laughs> He's got us here. Wait, you two are talking about potential explosiveness with the 99th ranked offense? <laughs> hey, the potential's still there. We, we said the P word, and we said, to preface it first, Kent, look, the offense doesn't have a lot of options right now, and I think between the tight end and the quarterback run game, those are your two positions, tight end and quarterback, that you feel those are it right now. Maybe Grant. But no, we're not saying this offense is great. We're not saying this offense is explosive. We're saying if you had to say what could help make an explosive play happen, it is going to be the tight end. It's going to be the quarterback run game. And, uh, or at least the threat of the, the quarterback. The run threat. Game. Thank you. Um, but no, I mean your memory serves. You've got a twenty-six yard gain. That's your season long on that that slant route to Washington. Got a t- couple of twenty-yard gains by Fedoni and Billy Kemp. Uh, your screen pass to, to Gabe went for fourteen, but at least it was completed, right? You had to go back to the probably the Obama administration the last time a screen pass was completed. And it's funny you brought that play up because I kind of forgot an- about an- this another, another back? If you go watch that, Northern Illinois is showing pressure, and this is probably the thing that impressed me most about Heinrich Harburg's game on Saturday. I am pretty sure he checked the audible the into play. it. He, he, he does some pre-snap motion, or not some pre-snap motion, some pre-snap signaling there whenever Northern Illinois shows blitz and what do they come out with the screen? I think that was a, a pre-snap check by Heinrich Harburg into the screenplay. And if it was, which we haven't heard anything official from the coaching staff on that, I don't think they probably will give us anything on that. 
if that was though a check into the the screenplay after Northern Illinois shows pressure, that'd be one of the most impressive parts of the Heinrich Harburg performance to me from Saturday. But maybe we'll never know. Kent, so I hope you're you're all right. I hope you're you're getting our full context here. Couple more emails to get to Chris at AleVarsity.com. The topic that Elijah brought up when it comes to uh, what audio book he would like me to narrate. Uh, Elijah threw out the Fifty Shades of Grey. That made many ill. Uh, Austin says Chris is the Morgan Freeman of Husker Radio. Any chance we get uh, to a spot where full second team offense and defense see more than a few minutes of the game this weekend. Uh, Austin, thanks for listening. Thanks for the email. Uh, I am not going to start my Morgan Freeman. Uh, well, prison isn't a fairy tale worried uh, narration. It's not Michigan week yet. But no, I, I think you'll be able, based on what Evan was talking about, some of the research we've looked at, Nebraska, if they take care of the football and stick to what they are, could name their score early, and then they could probably work on what they want to work on without trying to show too much second half. Now, the question is, you're at the point right now with with both of your quarterback options, really all three, that they all need work in the passing game. And whether the score is tied or you're up two touchdowns or down a score, it's all relative because you're going to need it at some point, Michigan and beyond. So get... Let them get the work in. Mm. But first and foremost, be able to line up and run it. And then figure out a way to get someone deep on play action. Evan brought up a good point. I'm interested with, okay, is, is Saturday the day some of those freshman wideouts that, are, that have track speed, can they take the top off a of defense and get deep to put a little bit of fear in a defense? Because you need that. We've talked about Fedoni. We know Grant's going to be the guy. And you know Harburg or Sims – going to be carrying it you'll see some quarterback run you'll see some zone read you'll see some option great but push comes to shove you're going to need to be able to throw the football and that's been talked about by by Satterfield and and one of the things that's going to be really important I think in that is we've talked about finding a guy that can take the top off the defense we heard yesterday from Satterfield man Malachi Coleman, he vomited at practice yesterday because we told him to take a break and he wants to show something. It's a vomit this, alert. This might be, this game on Saturday, might be one of the, the last chances that some of these freshmen get in terms of a, a tune-up game to show these, this coaching staff, hey, I'm, I'm going to be ready for conference play. You, you can feel a little bit better. I mean, it's the same thing we talked about last week with, with Harburg, with him getting started against Northern Illinois. It's a chance to show the coaching staff what you have in the back pocket. You can say the same about this game with Northern Illinois. Heinrich Harburg's shown what he has. Which freshmen or, or younger guys in that offense? You talk about Quint Knives maybe needing to step up in the running back room. Coleman and Lloyd and maybe Doss once he's healthy being guys that can, can step up in that wide receiver room and show the coaching staff, hey, when the back pocket, whenever you need a guy to take the top off the defense, I can come in for a play. This is a chance for those guys as well to show what they have to the coaching staff against Louisiana Tech before the games really, really start getting important and the games start getting more difficult. 489-1240-800-825-5865. More of your comments in the stream. Ways to catch the show can go to YouTube and find the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Always uh, want to continue to promote that. It's archived. It's also live for you, 4 to 6. And then uh, don't forget the Hale Varsity YouTube channel at HVarsity Radio. Uh, check out the uh, the show on, on Twitter that way. Come see us tomorrow. We're at the Single Barrel 
9th and P, downtown inside the Graduate, a Thursday road show. So if you need a whiskey, they have 200 to choose from. Get a whiskey, get yourself a big old steak, maybe some chops. Uh, since it is Thursday, I'm sure an appetizer and a drink is in order. Get your weekend going the right way with Single Barrel. We'll be there Thursday at the Hale Varsity Sports Bar on Friday. And then back at the Single Barrel noon to 2 Saturday pregame show as we get you ready for Louisiana Tech. Reminder to get yourself buckled up. Use your seatbelt. It saves lives. It prevents injuries only if properly worn. Buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. One of the most disgusting things you saw this week had to be Nick Chubb's injury. And uh, that is all sorts of gross you are sick for for nick chubb great running back cleveland is going to go with kareem hunt he is back after being with them four years after getting uh you know showing his way out of kansas city because of some behavior issues so uh hunt will be the guy but chubb i hope he can come back but man eight years in the league eight great years in the league and to have that happen to your to, to, to the same leg, the same knee that he had in Georgia. And the first place your mind went after watching that that injury was some of the bad ones we've seen through the years. Joe Theismann on Monday Night Football is one you went back to. You go back to uh, was it where where the Louisiana or sorry the Louisville basketball player yeah his leg broke. Well, Paul and George. even even the way Searles described Bridgewater's injury in Minnesota, uh, that he was on the field for that one. Jock Docs on the way. Hail Varsity continues. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back into it. It's Hail Varsity Radio. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. And Dr. Brandon, good to spend time with you. And uh, as a Nick Chubb fantasy owner and, well, a human, First and foremost, you uh, got sick to your stomach with what was on Monday night. And unfortunately for Nick Chubb, same leg, same knee, now eight years apart. What's your reaction to Chubb's injury? Uh, just, you know, just brutal seeing that that poor guy. You know, to think about having to have that happen twice to somebody, I can't imagine. Um, it was interesting. I did see a, a picture the other day where somebody had lined up the original injury that he had with this one, and again, just two kind of gruesome injuries. You know, as a healthcare provider, sports medicine coverage person, you know, you see an injury like that, and immediately your mind goes, okay, like, worst case scenario here, we're talking about something very, very serious where somebody could have a, you know, a blood vessel, the big artery in the back of your leg taken out with that, not just even thinking about the sports side of it, more just like saving an extremity. You start to think about those things in this kind of situation. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us here at Jock Doc Wednesday on Hale Varsity Radio. And Dr. Brandon, you said you saw the picture. Tell me, whenever you, you saw that image, what was your, your first thought in terms of what, what structures could be at risk? We don't have an official diagnosis from the Browns or from Nick Chubb on what's actually been torn. I think we can assume it's a couple of ligaments, but where is the first place your mind went knowing what he's already told, torn before in his, uh, his Georgia career before this? Yeah, so you look at an injury like that, the biggest thing you think about, or so you know, used to hearing about an ACL tear, those kinds of things. And so that obviously is at risk. But the other thing you worry about with the knee gets, you know, pushed in that direction, kind of that hyperextension type direction, the PCL, which we call the posterior cruciate ligament, 
that's that ligament in the back of the knee. Anytime somebody goes into that really hyperextension that you worry about that becoming injured. And then from there, you can kind of go either way. If the knee starts to slide more towards the inside, then you worry more about taking out the MCL in addition to the PCL. Uh, if it starts to slide more to that kind of back and outside, then you worry more about taking out what we call the posterior lateral corner, which is kind of the outside corner of your knee. There's a bunch of ligamentous and tendinous structures out there, uh, which is obviously an area you had before. You know, and ultimately, when you have a deformity that's that bad, you start talking about, you know, a knee dislocation where the whole knee joint itself dislocates, which is a terrible problem to have. And, again, you start to wander into that land of, you know, a multi-ligamentous knee injury when more than one ligament's being injured. And those would be kind of the main ligamentous structures. You know, you take that a step further, you even start thinking about, okay, with that kind of deforming force going through the knee, what else can happen? You start even thinking about fractures. Could you fracture the part, top part of that tibia? Um, that's a possibility. You can even have a, you know, a fracture at the end of your femur, which is the thigh bone. And then you even start to go from there. And the things we really worry about, as I mentioned before, is, you know, one, you can stretch your nerve. You can tear your nerve in half. That basically controls the foot. You can end up with a drop foot. You can also obviously tear the main artery in the back, your knee called the popliteal vessels. Um, and that can lead to, obviously, a, a limb-threatening situation. You had immediate medical attention, and Chubb was cared for and gotten to a hospital going back to Georgia, and this is what made Chubb slide to that second round, was 2015 in Georgia, where same leg, MCL, PCL, LCL, where it was just uh, that, that left leg blown up, that knee blown up. He rehabs, he comes back, and he's been an elite running back despite having uh, a major, major issue out of college, Dr. Brandon, and then to have it done to the same leg, same knee, eight years later to just underline that again, can a guy come back from it twice? Yeah, that's a great question, Christian. We really are kind of in uncharted waters um, with that type of injury. You know, I've not heard of any any time here recently that's had a similar deal where they had a similar multi-ligamentous knee injury and really – Quite remarkably, you think about him even making it back after that first gruesome injury is, is really incredible. Um, you know, fortunately for him, when he had that original terrible knee injury, he didn't damage any vascular structures and also didn't have any nerve structures, which, you know, allows for at least the potential to return back. Uh, but even still, that's such a brutal injury. Again, I'm amazed he made it back the first time. So, you know, you start to put some predictions on that. Can you make it back uh, the second time? Um, and the question would be, yeah, do you have the desire to want to do that and put yourself back at risk? Two, I think it's going to be extremely difficult for him to get back, you know, to that level at this point um, after this injury. You're going to be dealing with a lot of, you know, potentially early on stiffness. But the other thing you worry about is, is now you're potentially having to reconstruct all that stuff you did before. Are you ever, be, ever going to be able to get him back to the same level of kind of tightness he was, stability that he had before? My suspicions would be no. It's really hard in a revision situation, especially revision, multi-ligamentous knee injury, to reestablish that ultimate stability that he likely will need. Um, so that'll be the big question. And then you start thinking about, you know, where are you going to borrow tissue from to do all this reconstruction? He's going to have to have some cadaver grafts used. We know that cadaver grafts are, you know, nowhere near as, as durable and 
uh, as strong as like your regular tissue. And so now you start to wander into those areas, and then his risk of you know repeat injury just continues to go up from there. Um, and so I think this is a, a pretty reasonable discussion with him about, hey, this might be time to think about retirement. Have you ever dealt with or is there a case study on reconstructing reconstruction? Uh, there are. Uh, there are some reports out there uh, that we, we, we've seen. Um, they're pretty rare, though. You know, most of the time when these athletes get into these really high-level multi-ligamentous type knee injuries, a lot of those folks struggle ever just to, to get back, you know, initially after that first one. Um, and so when they do get back, usually that knee is pretty stiff. And, you know, I just haven't seen, you know, fortunately I've not had any of my athletes get back into that scenario where they had a recurrent injury there. I have had, you know, a couple of these folks that I've taken care of that had these big ligamentous knee reconstructions that, you know, most of them fortunately made it back, but some don't. I mean, it's such a monster kind of trauma to that area. So, yeah, again, my speaking from experience of having to reconstruct these, I don't have a huge volume to you know, comment from. What does a, a reconstructed knee look like eight years on? And, and now that he's gone and torn that again, is that going to be an, an extra complication? Is the time factor it's been since the first injury? Or is any sort of knee reconstruction going to be a, a real pain no matter how long it is after an original? Yeah, you know, anytime you're dealing in that, you know, kind of multi-ligamentous knee world, always going to be a longer recovery than kind of your standard, you know, single ligamentous recon. And then as you start to add on the, you know, revision scenario, you're going to push that back even further, you know, at least a year at a minimum of recovery if he's, you know, thinking about trying to try the sports thing again. Uh, but you can even maybe push that out 14, 15, 16 months. It all depends on how quick that uh, muscle kind of comes back, your quad comes back. Dr. Brandon Seifert, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday. Nick Chubb in the season-ending, perhaps career-ending uh, knee injury that happened Monday night. Very gruesome, wasn't even replayed on TV. And we're all thinking about Nick Chubb uh, just as the warrior he's been coming back from something similar to this uh, in his college days and a great run in the NFL. Dr. Brandon, always love getting your perspective. Thanks for a few minutes. You bet, fellas. Hey, take care. Good to spend time with Dr. Brandon Seifert, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Man, Nick Chubb, such a incredible player. Many of you have had him on fantasy, and quite frankly, you, you don't even think about that. You think about the, the dude uh, dealing with injury and uh, trying to come back. We'll wind down on Wednesday next. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time today. Now, Single Barrel, where we are at tomorrow, 9th and P inside the graduate. Come get a steak or a chop or a whiskey or a beer. We'll get all of them. Right? Just get all fat and happy as uh, you get the weekend kicked off. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Is, uh, you can find the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, the YouTube channel. Subscribe to that as well with Hale Varsity. Review, good, bad, or ugly. We're good, uh, whatever you want to say. So, Elijah, interesting. Uh, Nebraska able to land a new recruit, defensive back, wide receiver, athlete, Texas, the state. Um, and pretty big for the Big Red as they continue to get things figured out on the recruiting front for 2024, 2025, not a ton of spots left for Nebraska. 
Yeah, and uh, it's a JD Crisp is the name. And I was wondering, Schmitty. I've been we were going to get there. We'll get there more tomorrow. Yeah, and I've been wondering, is there any relation with his he's dual sport JD Crisp, mm-hmm. football and baseball? Is there any relation to Coco Crisp? And I have found through some research, I don't believe so. No. I don't believe there's any you, you had hopes up. I had you going for a second because Nebraska does have the son of a very famous former professional baseball player on their team in Riley Van Poppel. His father, right. Todd, Todd Van Poppel. Do you, you weren't born yet, but some of us schemed and plotted how to get Todd Van Poppel's rookie card mm-hmm. because he was not only this next stud re- relief pitcher, you know, the next Eck, Eckersley, but he was also acquired by Oakland, and Oakland was in their heyday with the Bash Brothers in 1990. So... Yeah, some of us know uh, a lot about Riley Van Poppel's papa <laughs> just because of our uh, obsession with the Oakland A's back in the day. Cypress, Texas, where he's at, two-way studs. Second Baptist is where he's out of six foot 190 and the 25th player overall in the 2024 class. And, uh, you know, you look going Nebraska going back to Texas, it's a good thing. And he'd love to play wide out, but if they think he's a defensive player, he says, so be it. So we'll have some more thoughts tomorrow. Big show tomorrow. We told you we're at the single barrel. We'll have Brandon Vogel joining us from Counter Reed. Gary Barnett, Coach Barney will check in. Reaction to the buffs in Colorado State and all the mayhem that followed that. But more so, is Colorado ready for Oregon? Mm. As the Dion train chugs to Phil Knight's uh, abode of, of Oregon. And just a great slew of games. We'll also get Barney's take on Harburg, what he saw, and uh, where Nebraska can go with this offense. George Darlington will join us. I love Coach Darlington. He's doing football facts. 40 years of football facts in Omaha and in Lincoln. So Coach George will be with us. In the 5 o'clock hour as well, Danny Burke, Burke's Best Bets. So we'll get you locked in on a Thursday night pick and some NFL slash college options as well. And then if uh, you're in Omaha, come see us at the Hale Varsity Sports Bar and Grill on Friday. I mean, all sorts of miles to put on and get locked in. I love it. Going to be on the road the, uh, the rest of the week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So come find a single barrel. We're up at Omaha at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista. Elijah, get uh, get dinner figured out. I will send you a picture of the uh, the T-bone. And quickly, I just want to give a, a birthday shout-out to listener crew. He's always in the stream. It's his birthday crew? today. Happy God birthday, love crew. it, crew. Happy birthday. A Huda Media Production.